Thanks for downloading this episode of Updating E-Commerce, a podcast where I talk to leaders and solution providers in the world of online retail. We've got some great guests, so each episode is full of fascinating insights and opinions. I'm Dylan Gray, a founder of Boone, a startup that uses psychology research and AI to build highly engaging and effective digital shopping assistants and gift finders. Today's episode is a little different. I'm joined by Fran McGovern, who is the head of product at Boone. Fran defines our product roadmap at Boone and leads the research, design, and iterations of the questions in our shopping assistants and gift finders. With a background in psychology, she offers a unique perspective on the industry. Fran, it's great to have you here with us today. Thanks for having me on, Dylan. What are some of the obvious things you see on e-commerce sites that might dissuade shoppers from buying? I would say there are three main things that all come into the fact that shoppers at their base want convenience and simplicity. And the first thing would be too much choice. This thing that we refer to as the paradox of choice. So you might see having many choices and options is a good thing. But um, in situations like retail, having too many options can become sort of paralyzing where the customer would rather uh, make no choice than make the wrong one at all. So two in five customers have left the website and purchased elsewhere because they felt overwhelmed by the options. And this phenomenon was also found to be exaggerated with the added factor of time. Um, so when making decisions that have long term effects, and these are often the more expensive and valuable purchases to the retailer, um, the customer needs to be absolutely certain that they make the correct one. So if they're provided so many alternatives, they're going to regret this choice. Um, and that can be really damaging on sort of getting that purchase to the end. You don't want a customer to spend hours or a very long time on the website deciding what to choose and making no choice at all. Second, this sort of plays into it as well, but the unclear navigation or too complicated website. Um, so if customers don't know where they're supposed to go um, or the retailer is spending too long sort of trying to make an intricate, beautiful experience store online, but the customer really just wants a functional buy and they don't even know really how to find that. That's just a really poor experience for the user to have. And the brands that sort of do a better job of making it easy for people to buy their first product will be the ones who have a better outcome than those who are trying to make it too complicated. And lastly, I'd say this is slightly different, but threats to privacy online. So the data privacy changes um, are obviously impacting the way retail works. But customers really do value their personal privacy. And I think when it becomes too obvious on an e-com site that um, the retailer is just trying to find their personal information or get their email or sort of track their behavior from elsewhere because things just seem a little bit too obvious, that can be really damaging. Because personal, just from a psychology perspective, personal privacy uh, is necessary for maintaining emotional well-being. It, sort of, it works as a boundary control process. Um, so how we control the access that others have to ourselves or our groups. And this is in daily life in terms of the information that we share, but it definitely translates to the retail sector as well. Um, in the same way as autonomy is responsible for choice, autonomy is really useful to privacy. Um, and un unfortunately, in the same way, there's this thing called the privacy paradox. So people's concerns about privacy rarely translate into protective behaviours. So it might not be seen um, in terms of numbers that people actually care about privacy, but they actually they, they do. And it was definitely beneficial if a retailer shows that they care about the privacy of their customers. So one of the things you mentioned at the beginning there was this paradox of choice. And I know that if there's too much choice and then a customer does convert, they, they do buy a product at the end, they're much less likely, aren't they, to be satisfied with what they've bought. Do you think that's then contributing to the to the problem of 
high return rates, especially in fashion? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, so there's this thing where the satisfaction after a purchase is also somewhat dictated by the number of alternatives that are offered. So if a customer, for example, buys one T-shirt out of, say, 400 possibilities on the site, it makes logical sense that, especially if this was an expensive purchase, the customer's going to be more doubtful of this decision compared to if they'd only been given two T-shirts to choose from and they just chose the colour and the size. Um, there's this thing where the imagined, the imagined alternatives um, induce one to sort of regret their decision. And this regret subtracts from the satisfaction that you get out of that choice. Even if it was a good one and you actually really like the T-shirt, you're going to spend more time worrying that it was a wrong choice because there were so many other choices you could have made. Sort of the more options there are, the higher the expectation of the result is because you feel like you're putting more effort into making this choice. So the choice has to be really, really, really good to be worth the effort put into making that decision. It's a, it's a fascinating problem and sounds, sounds quite significant. Um, do you think it's more significant for certain retail sectors than others, or do you think it's just universally very important to reduce to reduce the number of decisions that a, that a customer has to make? I think it's definitely relevant to all sectors, but it plays out in different ways. So, for example, with functional buyers, if you're buying sort of hygiene products and toilet paper, the decision process is immediately easier because there are a limited number of reasons you're going to buy that. You're going to look at price and you're going to look at the effectiveness of that hygiene product. Whereas if you're looking at sort of clothing, fashion, especially high-end fashion, these are what we call like high-risk buyers, where if you're, especially if you've, if you've, if you've suffered sort of income changes in the recent times, you're going to be putting a high cost on buying this purchase. And you want to have specific reasons to buy it. You want it to be youthful. You want it to be comfortable. You want it to look like it's been worth the effort of that choice. So I think it definitely plays out differently across the sectors. Um, but it is, reducing the choice is definitely relevant to every every kind of purchase interesting stuff how do you think retailers can improve their user experience to offer more of the personal touch that consumers are missing as stores are closed so yeah personalization is definitely important to a customer um, and i think it's up to 90 percent of customers are more likely to purely shop with brands that provide personalized marketing and i think it's 80 percent have purchased products they didn't initially intend to buy after they received the sort of personalized recommendation. And this is a this is a core cool thing that happens where, say if you have all of this choice, but you're highlighted one of these products as being perfect for you, and we've we found whatever information available to you, and this is why we've chosen it to you, a customer is far more likely to buy that product. And there's a, I think there's a balance as well between the personalization and something we call social proof, or known as sort of informational social influence. Um, so these are things that where people follow the actions of the masses. So the idea is that since so many other people behave in a certain way, in this case, buying one thing, it must be the correct behavior. So this is seen in things like reviews, uh, recommendations trending now on retail sites. Um, and these can be really, really useful because they work in a personalized way that if you can see yourself in the other people buying, it also counts as a term of personalization. And if this is then uh, sort of, gone twofold by a second recommendation it seems that that product is really perfect for you mm. uh, but also there are there are other many other ways to achieve that personalized recommendation online so things like online shopping assistance um gift finders the kind of things that boone do um people like to feel that someone knowledgeable is helping them buy and that's why customer service assistants work in stores online uh, you like to think that if you don't really know what you're talking about someone else does and they've they feel justified in showing you this product, it's perfect for you. Um, 
and this can these, these can come around in lots of ways it can be size finders uh, style advice or just like gifting and finding the perfect product for that desire at the time what do you think the greatest challenge is facing e-commerce now and in the next five years so i think the effects of the pandemic could definitely still be played out and we can't say that we're going to understand and predict that completely accurately um, but i think at the moment we can definitely look at just the incredible move to digital there was huge growth in e-com during the pandemic and there still is and this was much quicker than we anticipated um, this has definitely resulted in a lot of new customers who aren't used to online shopping and they're definitely at first supposed to be confused by the experience online um, and there should definitely be some thought put into play into how we can respond to this um, so you want to maintain this customer loyalty that's been built up through the high street and there are a few ways to do this so i would say that they're used to the personal touch um, and customers that are used to the high street want this online but it's going to have to look differently so you want sort of intelligent but non-invasive personalized recommendations not just add this to the basket they want advice and tips um, and some really creative experiences in the same way they're used to an easy buying process with a person so they want super clear checkout processes sort of seamless buying um, we don't we don't want to make experiences any more complicated than they need to be especially if this is someone's first or first few times using online buying um, and in the same way, not just making it easy, but you need to understand these customers as well. So these are new shopping habits, new shopping people, potentially new demographics. Um, and they need to get new data sort of every week frequently because these shopping habits are changing constantly. So we saw even through the beginning of the pandemic, initial purchases moved away from luxury goods and sort of aesthetic driven purchases and more towards uh, functional buyers, hygiene buyers, necessary purchases. But this changes as things happen. Um, so when new announcements get made about social occasions being allowed, for example, retailers that are really successful, such as ASOS, they immediately came out with a June 21st edit, which had, as soon as you go onto the clothing website, you had a big pop-up with all of these sort of going out outfits, social outfits that respond to the way that the shoppers' lives are changing every week. And this is something that's really useful and can definitely be used in the same way for new shoppers. What have you seen in e-commerce recently that has most impressed you? I think the move to direct to consumer sales is really interesting and some of the results are hugely impressive. Uh, so, for example, Nike uh, have used this sort of great augmented reality fitting tool to replicate the in-store fitting for shoes. Um, and I think this is a really great example of the way that these brands understand that tech and innovation has to be at the core of the branding and getting that customer loyalty. Um, they're used to being innovative just from moving direct to consumer in itself. So I think it's great that they're being brand relevant and they have this clear message and sort of aim to be innovative and use tech and use the new things to create this great relationship with their customers. So the, the tool they made is called Nike Fit um, and it allowed customers to find their true shoe size using a mix of artificial intelligence and augmented reality to scan a customer's foot digitally. So the same way that in a store you might be used to using the physical tool to get your shoe size. You can scan your foot from the phone, which is in itself engaging. It's a fun experience for the customer, but it provides a great tool as well. And it prevents a barrier of sizing. So the customer straight away will actually lead, lead to a purchase. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me today, Fran. It's really good to get your insight. That was Fran McGovern, who is the head of product at Boone giving her unique perspective from her background in psychology on what e-commerce can be doing better, both the obvious 
and the more obscure problems in the industry. Be sure to subscribe to catch our future episodes of updating e-commerce. Until next time, thanks for listening.